whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, season two, episode 21. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business tonight. No, Laura, but we've got Beck and we've got Alex, and we are reflecting on all things NFL draft. Uh, what an what an incredible uh, few days, and uh, you know, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, tell us how your team went in the NFL draft. Are you happy? Are you sad? Because we're certainly going to be giving you our feelings on our teams tonight, so send that through. Uh, before we get too carried away, let's jump into our warm-up for tonight. And the one. And a two, and a one, two, three. Play it on the Bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Have a great broadcast. You too, darling. Beck, Alex, you know, this little segment that's not a segment was born from, you know, all the funny, you know, banter that we'd have off air. And we thought, you know what, let's bring it to the show. Let's have some of these conversations on air because, uh, yeah, we can certainly get a little bit passionate about this sport that we love. Now, this week on the warm-up, I've got, uh, you know, what is your feel-good moment from the draft? Um, Alex, I'm going to throw it to you. Oh, feel-good moment. Just the fact that Aiden Hutchinson didn't go first as an Ohio State fan made me feel really good about that. That was probably a good moment for me. Watching Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave go back-to-back as receivers from Ohio State, again, I mean, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Ohio State's, like, ranked first as far as first-round picks. And, I mean, come on. Like, we keep going first round, first round, first round. Chris Olave, devastating go to the Bears. We know I've been saying that for months now. <laughs> that's probably what we want him. But he's kind of a little bit like Michael Thomas. So I think the Saints, it, that's a good spot for him. So I'm excited for them to see what they can do. But, yeah, just happy that the Michigan boy didn't go first and my Ohio State boys went back to back. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe there's, like, a future trade for Chris Olave, you know, back to Chicago. Um, hopefully when he's not too old, you know, we will see how that one goes. Look, feel good moment uh, from the draft. You know, that is pretty difficult when you're a New England Patriots supporter because that was something. What a complete shit show that was. And, look, you know, one of the things I can respect is the trolling by Bill Belichick. You know, the fact that he stepped out of, you know, being a head coach in a comedy. And, and I, I didn't know that he had that ability. But, you know, the fact that he just took us all on a journey and just thought, you know what, how can I make Patriots fans suffer? Um yeah, that was something. But anyway, feel good moment. Um, look, it had to be, hey, a little bit of my plug for my mock draft. Um, if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to that episode, have a bit of a listen. Um, happy for some feedback. But yeah, hit a, hit a few picks there. Um, and that was basically me not um, scouting any of those quarterbacks as, as first round talents. And we'll get more into that tonight. But, you know, only obviously one quarterback went. And uh, yeah, hate to say I told you so. But yeah, this was certainly not a year to be um, yeah, racing after quarterbacks, that's for sure. Uh, Beck, what's your thoughts? It's always a fun little event, goes over a few days, and um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about your feel-good moment. Yeah, it is a super fun event to watch. I feel like everyone sits down in front of the screen waiting to see who that first round pick is going to be. Um, for me this year, though, I feel like a highlighter a feel-good moment was just watching the red carpet and what these kids are coming in wearing and, you know, the fashion statements that they're making, like and the Ohio State boys all come rocked up in the same red suits, you know, they've seen each other, sorry, Scarlet red, 
sitting in that little, you know, the little behind the scenes draft day kind of um, lounge area and they all rocked up and they were, you know, super happy to see each other. Um, And just another shout out to Sauce Gardner who carries around a blinged up sauce bottle with actual sauce in it. I was like, I watched a little clip on that and I was like, this kid is just next level. Like they're uh... There's some there's some quirky personalities in and amongst them. I, I remember Aiden Hutchinson, you know, he was on the stage and he had his suit and inside his suit jacket was all his goals and targets and all of these words that were written there. And the presenter had an awkward moment, which like, okay, cool, I, I can't really read any of that. It looks kind of small, but uh, yeah, we will kind of agree that that that's all there. So uh, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson uh, second to the Detroit. But no, look, it was an incredible NFL draft. It always is some some twists, some turns, um, and some interesting um, picks. But um, guys, let's get let's jump straight into it and jump to our first uh, segment for tonight, the, uh, the playbook. Some people are just great at all aspects of the game. When they step foot on the field, it's their show. Double right, scat right, double cowboy. Went 94 feet, did a roll step, made a right-hand layup timeout. The most important thing is film study. We work a lot on short passing with our forwards. You talk about somebody to know the playbook, know where everybody's supposed to be, know the other team, coaches, style of coaching, how his ball club's going to play. Yeah, and this is soon becoming, you know, one of our favorite segments here on Mojo Sports, the playbook, as we get to dive all into all things positions, schemes, players. But, you know, one of the things you're going to need to create an efficient uh, playbook is some players. And the best way of doing that is to certainly be drafting them into your organization. Team, let's jump into a full draft review here in a very special episode here at Mojo Sports. Uh, I'm going to start with the top 10 picks. Um, let's go, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of, you know, um, share this around a little bit. I might take the top three picks. So the first overall pick was Trayvon Walker went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, a little bit of an interesting pick, you know, obviously there's been a lot said about, um, you know, the Georgia player. You know, my quick reflections on it is that it is a pretty significant risk, in my opinion, overlooking Aiden Hutchinson. I feel like Trayvon clearly has potential. He has a higher ceiling compared to Aiden. But I have no faith in the Jacksonville Jaguars to be able to get that talent out of these players if I was a Jaguars, I'd be getting players that are a little bit safer. Um, you know, they're taking a big risk here, and, you know, it's a bit of a new re- regime there, but I'll believe it when I see it. I thought that was a little bit of a risky uh, move there. You know, great player at another team in another system. I'd have a lot of faith this guy's going to be a great player, but, yeah, like any player drafted to the Jaguars, he's certainly going to be up against it in his first year, and he's going to have that pressure, that label now of being that number one pick. So, um, yeah, look, a player that I do like, but, yeah, I think, it, you know, number one, uh, I feel like that's a little bit overdrafted in my opinion. Okay, draft pick number two, Aiden Hutchinson, Detroit Lions. They were literally sprinting to get their card in. Local uh, Michigan boy uh, heads back to Detroit. Um, you know, that was just an, you know an easy one for Detroit. You think about just their brand and the type of football team that they're trying to build there um, really feel like uh, Aiden sort of aligns with that. And that was, you know, a bit of an easy pick. Um, You know, a player that wasn't really spoken about a lot pre-draft because it was, you know, he was sort of the, you know, obviously, you know, going to be one of those top picks. But yeah, definitely a player that can get to your quarterback um, and, you know, may not quite have the talent of Trayvon, but, you know, the effort's going to always be there. And I think he's going to be a 10-year player there at least for Detroit. Uh, and in pick number three, we see Derek Stingley Jr., um, a bold pick here. Another risk is um, the Houston Texans out of nowhere, um, you know, go for a cornerback there um, at, at three. Uh, Alex, I'll, I'll throw it over to you to end my little rant here on the top three. Derek Stingley Jr., what's your thoughts on that one? Because clearly 
this was a freshman like we've never seen before, an unbelievable talent, but he went very, very quiet his last couple of years here at LSU and also battled injuries. Um, clearly, Houston just, you know, they couldn't pass up that athleticism and that, that physical ability that he does have. Yeah, definitely. I think that I, I think he's going to be a starter straight out of the, uh, straight out of the gate for Texans. Um, I think he's going to add a lot of speed, and I just think he's going to be a good playmaker for them in that defensive in that defensive role. So I think that was a good pick for them because they need help, like offensively and defensively. And I think no matter who they get, they're going to make an impact. But these players that these teams are drafting, they're going to be starters from day one like they're not competing for roles these guys are going to slide straight into the offense and the defense so it's going to be interesting to see what they look like come season yeah definitely look at he produced uh top five talent in his freshman year so he's just been you know biding his time waiting and you know the texans are going to be hoping that you know he's able to sort of pick things up pretty quickly in the nfl but um to your point alex i mean the bar's not very high in terms of that secondary there at the texans he'll be you know he'll be their best player um day one in training camp um which is pretty interesting all right alex gonna throw it over to you for picks four five and six the new york jets were on the clock at pick number four um yeah i feel like this was an no-brainer. Oh, 100%. I mean, Sauce Gardner, like, he's an absolute beast. I mean, when you look at kind of ESPN's projected year one, they're calling rookie of the year for this guy. And I think this is somebody that can ignite that Jets defense again because I think they just need somebody. They need something. And I think that this guy has the swagger to do it and he has the talent to do it. Um, so I think this was a great first pick for them and they had a lot of players to pick from. But also, like, the amount of players that went from Cincinnati – Props to that program because when you look at Ohio State and Alabama and LSU, they get so much love and so much you know praise for their programs. But Cincinnati had quite a lot of players win in the first round. So I'll be watching Cincinnati next year as far as a college football team. In pick five, we've got Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. He went to the Giants. Look, again, New York, he's going to be a day one starter for New York Giants. I mean, this is somebody, again, that they need help defensively for sure. Um, this was, again, a no-brainer for them. I think everyone needed to, needed help defensively, so I think this was a great pick for them. In pick six, the Panthers and Akeem Ikwano. I think this is a good one for the Panthers because I think matching him on that line um, with Taylor Mutton on that right tackle, I think this is going to be a good duo for the Panthers. So this pick for them I thought was very smart. It's a, it's a very safe pick, but the right pick for them and the right pick for their program. Yeah, I love that. He was my number one pick. I, I feel like that was uh, that was a home run hit there for Carolina and showed so much discipline not to overdraft a quarterback there. You know, a Quanu, you know, he he's you know, those quarterbacks were not in the same league as him in terms of a, a player and a prospect. So um yeah, shout out to Carolina. That was that was pretty cool there. Um all right, Beck, we're gonna move it over to you for pick seven, eight, and nine. Uh New York Giants, um, back on the clock. Um Kayvon Thibodeau in the house now. Um yeah, pick number seven. Again, you know, Giants, they just need some juice. They need a player they can feel good about. Um, where do they go with this one? Yeah, interesting pick for the Giants to go with an offensive lineman. I mean, they can't go wrong with Evan Neal. When we did him in the matchup, you know, we kind of all picked him to be that top lineman to go in the top 10 or one of the top picks for them. So the Giants picking that up, it's definitely going to help their offense. They need something to help them move because their backfield just isn't really doing much and hopefully picking Evan Neal in that offensive line will really help them to be able to create some plays and make move some yards down the field with an effective O-line in front of that backfield that they have. Um, and then the Atlanta Falcons at the eighth pick picked Drake London 
first wide receiver in the draft to go. I was I was a bit, you know, I mean, first of or not offensive player, but yeah, first wide receiver to go. I was a bit shocked because we kind of talked about this wide receiving class and that, you know, the offensive side of the ball, the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers weren't necessarily top 10 picks. But um, I mean, if you're going to pick, they kind of picked what they needed and they need, you know, some weapons in that offensive side of the ball. So it'd be interesting to see how he fits into this offense and what he can do for them in his rookie season. I mean, you got to remember Calvin Ridley is suspended. So this is a good kind of pick for the Falcons, I think, in, in sliding them in for that replacement. Yeah, I forgot he was suspended. So, yeah, that's definitely where they were targeting and it's what they needed for their roster. So they kind of picked instead of going for the top player, they picked for what they needed. And we, we've seen that a lot in these first top 10 picks that teams are picking for their needs over, you know, the rate of the player and the expectation of the players. Um, ninth on the board, Seattle Seahawks, my team. I, I wasn't sure which way we were going to go, whether we were going to go defensively or offensively, because I think we have needs on both sides of the ball. Um, but it's nice to see us pick an O-lineman. Hopefully we have better luck with this pick than we have previous O-linemen, because I feel like our last few drafts haven't worked out for us as we wanted them to. Um, it's going to be interesting because I don't even know who's going to be in the backfield behind this O-lineman. But Charles Cross... Um, you know, big size, aggressive player coming from Mississippi State. So, yeah, a good pick. I'm happy with that pick. I think it's definitely what we need to build from because we haven't necessarily put a lot of energy into our O-line previous years. So it's nice to see that we're starting to focus on spots on the offense that are actually going to be effective in helping us move the ball. Yeah, I really like that pick. And what's doing? How is he still there at pick number nine? I mean, you know, the gap between him and sort of the next offensive tackle is pretty significant. So for you to snag him there at nine... I think that's a great pick by Seattle. Um, and again, keep you talking about it. The discipline to not overdraft a quarterback there. Um, love that. Love that for you guys. Um, all right, Alex, you round us off there with the top 10 pick. Um, you know, one wide receivers off the board at the moment. New York Jet- Jets back um, there. And, you know, they're really trying to turn this franchise around. They really are. And they great pick, I think, for the Jets because I think they need that young, explosive talent, especially to back up their quarterback. And I think this is a great pick in Garrett Wilson. And I'm not just saying that because he's an OSU boy. And again, it's great to see an Ohio State player and go top 10. But I think, again, you know, when you look at projected year on impact on ESPN, again, this is another candidate for rookie of the year and rightly so. I think you know, he's going to be a great wide receiver for the Jets because they are going to be young, but I think they're going to be explosive and a little bit scary because they're going to have so many young players that have a lot to prove. But I think it, I think there's going to be a fun offense to watch. I think the Jets have done a great job drafting this year. And I think it's, you know, credit to, you know, them picking Zach Wilson last year that didn't turn out so well for them. Hopefully with the, you know, the picks that they've made this year, they'll be able to have that impact on both sides of the ball and really be able to. I'm excited to see what the Jets are going to do this year with all of those young talent. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to have pick four and pick 10 and have the best players in their in their position. Source Gardner, easily the best corner cornerback in the class. And Garrett Wilson, he's the best wide receiver. So to get that is pretty special. And you know, when these two great players come into the franchise, you know, they're going to be, you know, the Jets have been down for a long period of time, but they're going to come in and hopefully try and lift them up. A little bit of pressure on Zach Wilson, though. No excuses. Let's go. It's time to show whether you're going to make it or not. It is literally a make-or-break season for Zach Wilson, and he's still very young in his career, so going to be really interesting to see what he can do. He's still in the 50s when it comes to his completion percentages. He really needs to lift. Going to be interesting to see what he does there. 
All right, guys, well, let's be a little bit selfish now and bask in the glory or the pain and suffering of what was the draft performances for our three teams. Um, you know, Beck, we're going to help you a little bit here with your Seattle Seahawks. We'll um, quickly go over, um, you know, some of the, the picks there. So, yes, you're right. Pick number nine, Charles Cross. Um, pick 40, you had an edge defensive player in Boye Marfe. Uh, the running back there at 41, um, the pick after in Kenneth Walker, pretty interesting. Um, and then you start to move into some of those later rounds. Abraham Lucas, offensive tackle at 72. Uh, Kobe Bryant, the big namesake, uh, cornerback at 109. And um, everyone for playing along at home can can sort of read your sort of later round picks. But, you know, they're sort of your main ones there. Cross, Marfe, Walker, Lucas, and Bryant. How are you feeling coming out of this? Because... It must be very, very difficult at the moment as a Seahawks fan. No Russell Wilson. Am I hearing right that Geno Smith and Drew Locke? Anyway, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. What's your thoughts on this one? Besides the fact that I don't know who our starting quarterback is, overall, I feel like this has been a good draft for us. Like, I feel like we were able to draft some pretty... Um, you know, key players on both sides of the ball because I think from our past season and what's happened in the off season this year, it's really going to going to show that we need players on both sides of the ball. You know, we've lost, you know, our top defensive player in Bobby Wagner and we've lost our quarterback in Russell Wilson. So being able to get some picks offensively and defensively, I think was a really smart move for us. Um, surprised that we didn't pick a late round quarterback to kind of compete with these two vets, just someone younger, someone to sit behind and learn to potentially become a starter over there. I was a little bit shocked that we didn't do that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not mad about this running back position, you know, picking up Kenneth in the, I think we picked him up in the fourth round. Um, yeah, I was kind of, ha- I was happy with that, that we, that I seen that we picked up a bit of a weapon in him to go into that backfield position. Cause another, that's been another challenge for us with constant injuries in that running back position and a lot of inconsistency. So it's another body to compete for that starting position as well. Yeah, definitely. And I said um, round four, uh, round two, pick pick number 41, you got him there. So, no, I think that's pretty effective. Um, Alex, you know, you obviously we're independents. You know, we can sort of tear this apart a little bit. The pick that I didn't like was pick number 72, the offensive tackle Abraham Lucas. Nothing against the guy from Washington State. Sure, he's going to be a great player. But, Alex, this franchise needed hope. They needed juice. How do you not... You know, just take a risk on, on Malik, on Malik. you know. It, it's just, I, I, I anyway, I, I really don't understand what we're doing here. Drew Locke ain't it. Um, Geno Smith was never it. Um, I'll throw it over to you. What, what's your thoughts? Because obviously Malik went, Malik Willis went a lot later in the draft. He was there for the taking. And look, I, you know, I get it. You know, you take the running back at 41. That's still a little bit rich for, for me for Malik. But at 72... Anyway, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? That, that was kind of my, my biggest criticism of Seattle's uh, draft. Yeah, I mean, Seattle was always, I think, was always going to have an interesting draft day just because I don't think they really knew what they needed. <laughs> I think they were just kind of plugging holes where they felt they needed to plug holes. And I think a lot of these picks show that they didn't really come in with a, with a great game plan, I think. Um, I think they're just kind of... Be- and I think that's hard too when you don't know who you have at quarterback. You don't really know what to put around them. And I think they just kind of went, well, we'll take one of these and we'll take one of these and we'll take one of these and, and hoping that whoever they have in that quarterback role that these picks are going to help. But I think it was a bit of a, a, a mismatch 
and a, and a mix of for Seattle. I don't think they drafted with kind of any clear intent. Um, and I think they just drafted to, to draft players because they have to. Um, so that, that would be my one criticism with Seattle is like, they didn't really come in with kind of a game plan, but I think that's hard too. when you don't really know what your offense is going to look like. And you don't really know what your defense is going to look like because you've got one key offensive player that's gone, one key defensive player that's gone. So they don't really know what their team looks like just yet. Yeah, and I feel like this year we've kind of taken a different approach to the draft where normally we trade away a lot of our picks and go for the veteran players or the well-known players that are going to fill in those spots where this year we decided to like keep all of our picks and take that risk on the younger because we had nine picks this year. So we have nine rookies coming into camp to compete for starting positions. But, yeah, I agree. We needed to pick a quarterback. Yeah, no, that but- was bold. And you can see what Pete wants to do. He, he always wants to run the football. But, uh, you know, it's easier said than done. And it's not exactly where the league's headed at the moment. So, anyway, bold strategy by Seattle. Uh, let's see whether they continue to flirt with Baker Mayfield as well. Maybe there's a bit of a solution there. Uh, Alex, going to hand it over to you now, the mighty Chicago Bears. And, you know, it's pretty interesting when you think about your franchise because there was a little bit of, you know, oh, well, is us, you know, no first-round pick after the Justin Fields trade, but, you know, you guys you guys stacked up some picks there at 11. Obviously, they were in later rounds, but what's your kind of reflections on this? Because you would have had to have really dug deep into your draft analysis to kind of, you know, pick up some of these players. But, yeah, how are you feeling after your draft? I think for me, I think we did well. I think we knew where we needed to kind of plug holes, and I think definitely that was in our offensive line, and we got one two, three, four offensive linemen that are going to be, I think, good. My only one concern is that they're going to be young. Um, so there's going to need some time to develop their cornerback. First pick was Kyler Gordon. I think that's a great pick for them because defensively we really needed to bolster, especially after a lot of our trades this offseason. My one criticism is a wide receiver in Vela Jones Jr. from Tennessee. I think that was an interesting pick. I think there were better options on the board. He's a rather old rookie at 25. So picking him, especially when we're looking for wide receiver number two to go against um, Mooney, I just, I don't know. I just thought that was a, I think there were better options for the Chicago Bears. Um, clearly somebody's telling me the exact same thing with that text that just came through. They're agreeing with me right now. Um, yeah, I think that would be my only criticism. I think that polls did, I, I think the GM did well in kind of what we picked. Clearly people are having an issue with, with the bears and what they picked right now. Cause my phone's blowing up. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I think the bears did well. I think they came with the right game plan. They went O-line, which is great. They went defense, which is great. That one wide receiver, I think is probably their one issue. And the one running back that we drafted as well. I'm like, look, we got a great running back room. We've got a, a solid wide receiver room. I would have liked to see maybe stay on the defensive side of the ball a bit more. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, how, how these picks uh, pan out for Chicago, because the reality is, is that, you know, sometimes, you know, you can have a lot of picks in the draft, you know, around about a dozen, you know, that, that that's a lot of picks there for Chicago. I think they've got 11 in total. The difference with Chicago is they kind of need these plays to hit. They need them to be starters. You know, even some of their later round picks, they can't afford to have your traditional early round cuts, um, you know, during training camp. They actually need all of these players to hit for Chicago to kind of keep pace with the NFL at the moment. Just because, you know, look, Justin Fields is great. He's the future. Unbelievable. I'm salty that we didn't get him, but he was expensive. You know what I mean? He cost a lot. Um, and the only way to balance that right for the franchise moving forward is to hit on these later round picks. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see whether Chicago were able to do that. 
Yeah, and I think when you also look at the free agency drafts that they've had before kind of the draft happened, we have a lot of uh, one-year veteran players coming into the coming into the team. So I think this it's going to be a very interesting matchup between all these young players that we have and all these veteran players that we do have and seeing that gel and seeing that mesh and see what that looks like for the Bears. Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. All right, guys, well, let's jump over to the New England Patriots because um, uh, uh, head coach turned comedian um, slash troller, uh, Bill Belichick, had one of the draft of the ages where he just, um, yeah, did some weird, wonderful things. So let's break it down. Uh, with the 29th overall pick as he traded out and gave Kansas City an incredible player. Love that for us. That was really that was really great. Um, he was very confident in an offensive guard by the name of Cole Strange from Chattanooga. Um, now, Chattanooga, not exactly known for professional NFL players. Uh, the last Chattanooga player was Terrell Owens, um, so it's been a little bit of time now. Uh, look, it is it is perplexing. Look, I get it. We definitely needed a little bit of help on the offensive line, but, um, you know, it, it's, you know, there were so many players in and around that pick. You know, the, the, the one criticism I'd have with Bill Belichick is he competes against himself. You know, again, this first-round pick, it is so expensive, and he's competing against himself. Cole Strange would have been available at his next pick, and that's what's just so frustrating. I don't know who who Bill is competing against. He must be getting some some bad um, bad advice there. But anyway, look, all the best to Cole. Uh, hopefully he is, uh, yeah, a plug-and-play uh, type of guy, but, um, yeah, a little bit of a strange pick. Uh, pick number 50. Look, this is where I feel like we made a little bit of a mistake. I think some of the, some of the... Some of the challenges with the New England Patriots draft is that we weren't aggressive enough. You know, one of the things we did know in this draft is there were a limited number of high-quality wide receivers, and they were going to get off the board really, really quick. The New England Patriots needed juice. They needed a top wide receiver, and it was going to be expensive. The Patriots needed to trade up. They needed to get in the battle. They needed to get one of those top wide receivers. They sat. They waited. And Alex, this was a really, really interesting pick out of Baylor. Um, Tyquan Thornton... Pick number 50. Now, he is the fastest wide receiver in the draft. That's great, except this isn't a track meet. We play football, so the only challenge is he's also got to be able to catch the football. Look, my friend, I, I'm only poking fun. Hopefully the kid can play, but I just have no faith that Bill Belichick can um, draft a wide receiver to save his life. Um, in particular, uh, the what, there was a wide receiver that went to Pittsburgh um, if you guys can sort of look up that, um, he was he was still there. Let me just, let me just pick it up. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers went with a wide receiver. Um, yeah, George Pickens. George that one? Pickens. Yeah, he was on the board. So you know, obviously, he was an unbelievable prospect. So dynamic, so big, so fast. Um, and you know, basically, you know, he was he was sort of talked about it as a first round talent. He was available, um, but we go with the with the fast kid. Anyway, interesting interesting pick there. Um, and then we have a little bit of a run with with cornerbacks, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones. Um, let's see how that pays off. Then this is where things get really really interesting. One of the things with the New England Patriots is in our division, we've really got to try and keep pace. The strength of our team is our quarterback position with Mac Jones and our running back our room. They're, they're two positions that are solid. Alex, our next three picks, running back, quarterback, running back. I mean, it just, I, I don't, anyway, I, I don't understand. Very, very strange decisions there. Um, I've hogged the mic. I'm going to hand it over to you, Beck. Um, put me out of my misery. Give me something to love, or are you equally as befuddled at uh, what Bill Belichick was doing here for the Patriots? 
I mean, man, I don't think I can because, honestly, I'm on your side. Like, what are the Patriots doing with this draft class? Like, none of it makes sense. I mean, we talked about Seattle and how they didn't really know what they were picking or where they were going, but at least they were able to fill holes in their, you know, in their... In their depth chart. Yeah, yeah like, it, it's, you yeah. know, the Patriots loaded up on, on fourth-round draft picks and I'm like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna go um, with positions of need, you know, which Beck you spoke about, which Seattle did, you know, they had gaps, they filled it. We just now have a really depth, unbalanced football team. I think we have nine running backs on our on our depth chart. So clearly, Mac Jones, you aren't going to be throwing the football, my friend. You're just going to be handing off to pick a quarterback to sit behind an inexperienced rookie quarterback as well like would you not prefer to like trade that pick away and sign a veteran quarterback as a backup that you know is going to be able to come in and you know play to a standard that's gonna you know they're gonna know the playbook know the players you know you don't have to teach them how to be a quarterback in the nfl like now you're teaching two quarterbacks yeah alex all right pile on pile on it's it it, it, woe is me over here in patriots land but beck's right like you know, there was um, Sam Howell, I think, was still on the board as a quarterback. You know, Bailey yeah. Zapp- Zappi, have I got it right? Zappi, you know, anyway, I'll, I'll work on the pronunciation. Uh, he's the fifth quarterback off the board. The New England Patriots uh, picked the fifth quarterback off the board in this year's draft when we've got a young quarterback. Uh, anyway, I, I don't know what's doing. Anyway, um, yeah, woe is me for the Patriots. Um, all right, guys, we'll quickly just to wrap off our little analysis here um, of the draft. Pick one team that you thought really hit it out of the park. Um, Beck, what's your thoughts on this? One team that you're really impressed with when it comes to the draft this year? Yeah, I think I already mentioned it earlier in the Jets. I think um, the way that they drafted, they really targeted positions of need and they targeted weapons and playmakers. They picked up some players that are really going to make um, big plays for them on both sides of the ball, which is what they were missing last year. You know, they had a couple of, you know, highlight reels here and there, but nothing that is going to make that looked like they were going to be successful in the years to come. And I feel like the draft class that they have picked this year, it's really going to change the dynamics of that team. And, you know, we're going to see some fun things out of them this year, hopefully. Yeah, I have to agree. That's a really solid pick. Uh, I'm going to go with KC, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, again, so much discipline in their draft. Uh, pick number 21, uh, one of the best cornerbacks in, in the in the class, uh, Trent uh, McDuffie and George Karloftis. Uh, pick number 30, the ed- edge, um, you know, defensive player. Again, they are just high-quality players, and they didn't want to overdraft wide receivers because there was a dip away. And then they snagged Sky Moore at pick number 54. That was one of the best picks of this year's draft. Sky Moore, he's an outstanding wide receiver. So, yeah, Kansas City, they absolutely nailed their picks. And, you know, Kansas City, their, their defense was was suspect. So to get those two quality players there, that's a little bit of a scary prospect. I mean, you know, they've lost Tyreek Hill. Um, I'm sure they'll figure it out. They've got a little guy called Patrick Mahomes. Um, but, yeah, a couple of really good picks there. Alex, who was your winner in this year's draft? I thought the Baltimore Ravens did really, really well. I think they secretly did a very good, smart draft for them. I mean, they got safety Kyle Hamilton, center Tyler Lindenborn, edge David Ajabo, Travis, Travis, Travis Jones, sorry, Daniel Falila, Jalen Armand Davis, Charlie Kohler, Jordan Stout, Isaiah Likely, Cameron Williams, Tyler 
Beatty. I mean, this is a good draft for them. Defensively, it's solid. It improves their secondary big time, especially in Kyle Hamilton. We talked about him. He's an excellent safety coming out of the draft. They definitely went defense, which is good. They got some backup on their O-line, but they also got some backups in those tight ends, which is good because I think in the amount of production that their tight ends do get at, um, at Baltimore, I think it's good to have that depth there. So for me, I thought very quietly Baltimore Ravens did really quite well. I'm going to take back my pick. The Ravens were awesome. You know, Kyle Hamilton in that center. I mean, they're two of the top 10 talent. I, I don't know how these teams just make us look so bad in New England. I mean, can we just go and, like, sit with them, observe them, try and work out what they're doing? But, uh, no, exactly right. Bottom all, Ravens absolutely nailed their draft this year. All right, team, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, guys, this week on Rapid Fire, nice and quick, we're going to whip around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and talk about, you know, where to now for this roster? Where do they need to improve? Beck, going to start with you. Um, yeah, where does... Sorry, I shouldn't say where does Tampa Bay want to go here. Where does the great Sir Tom Brady want to go with this franchise moving forward? Where do you think they need to improve? Um, Yeah, it's interesting now to have a look at the depth charts now that they have gone through the draft and kind of plugged some of the holes that these teams are missing. Um, For the Tampa Bay, you know, I feel like they picked up a couple of tight ends in the draft and filled a couple of positions where there are veteran players. Um, one place I feel like they still need to um, add to their depth chart is just a couple more linebackers. I think, you know, their defense, they have a lot of veteran players that are starting to age out and looking, you know, towards that retirement or possibly looking for bigger contracts to go other places. And they don't have a lot of depth and backup in that position. So it'll be interesting to see um, if they make any trades or deals in that linebacker position leading up into the season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Look, for me, running back still makes me nervous. I know Lenny Fournette, you know, he's getting a little bit older now and, you know, he's a particular type of running back. Uh, Ronald Jones, I think, passed it. He really hasn't, you know, sort of produced for Tampa. A little bit of pressure on pick number 91, Rashad White, out of Arizona State there for Tampa. You know, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of pressure on that kid to be able to run that football. So for me, you know, if Tampa can unlock that part of their game and run the football, um, you know, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. You know, Buffalo have been in a similar uh, situation where they haven't been able to run the ball. They were able to draft uh, Dalvin Cook's younger brother, uh, James. So maybe that's them turning things around. But, yeah, equally, I'm still yeah a little bit uncertain around Tampa and how they're going to run the football in the upcoming season. Alex, what about yourself? Um, you know, this is a little bit of an aging roster. There's still some improvements to make here in Tampa. Yeah, definitely. I think it's hard, especially when you trade out of the first round to kind of get anybody who's going to make a severe impact on your squad. I mean, look, their picks were fine, but again, I think their picks were just fine. I think they were pluggers for people who are necessarily retiring, who might not be coming back. They're not too sure. I would like to see them improve their secondary. I think they definitely need some help in that safety safety room. I think they need some more depth there. Um, but yeah, that secondary for them, I think the Buccaneers really need to kind of look at, they need to get somebody kind of stand out maybe in the, in free agency if they can. But yeah, I think that would be their biggest improvement. I mean, they did okay. They, they played it very safe. They didn't do anything fantastic. They didn't do anything super kind of wonderful and big players or anything like that. They played it very, very safe. And I think they're backing themselves in case any of these main stars retire. Yeah, that's what they came in to do. And I think it's pretty cute that like they've got a full war room like everyone else on draft day. But we all know like it's just Tom that, that drafts everyone. So 
They could just cut down costs and just have Tom Brady at his house in his office, just you know making the picks. We know that that's what happens. But no, look, it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, you know, is it going to be Tom's last year? Geez, you'd like to think so. The guy's 55 years of age. But, um, yeah, going to be really interesting to see how that roster gets put together because they're looking to win now. So um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, what are they looking like heading into next season? All right, team. Well, that's the end of this very special episode. Uh, Thank you so much to my panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. To my New England Patriots, uh, I apologize. I'm sure that all of those picks will go on to be Hall of Famers. Uh, but, you know, anyway, let's wait and see. To our listeners, we really do appreciate your ongoing support of the NFL show. How can you help support us? Continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next week, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.